It's always a joy to worship together, to be together. As Pastor Susan mentioned, we are beginning a special season on Monday, tomorrow, for those who wish to participate. And it's a season of fasting. I want to turn our attention to Isaiah 58, verses 1 through 9, and it really gives us an idea here of what it is that the Lord intends for this beautiful gift of grace called fasting that we'll look at more. Isaiah 58, verses 1 to 9. The Lord says, Shout as loud as you can. and Tell my people about their sins. They worship me every day, claiming that they are eager to know my ways and obey my laws. Let that sink in. They worship me every day, and they just claim that they're eager to know my ways and please me. That can be close to home. They say they want me to give them just laws and that they take pleasure in worshiping me. The people ask, why should we fast if the Lord never notices? Why should we go without food if he pays no attention? The Lord says to them, the truth is at the same time that you fast, you pursue your own interests. You oppress your workers. Your fasting makes you violent, basically moody, and you quarrel and fight. You think this kind of fasting will make me listen to your prayers? When you fast, you make yourselves suffer. You bow your heads low like a reed of grass and spread out sackcloth and ashes to lie on. Is that what you call fasting? You think I'll be pleased with that? The kind of fasting I want is this. He starts to deal with the heart. Remove the chains of oppression and the yoke of injustice and let the oppressed go free. Share your food with the hungry and open your homes to the homeless poor. Give clothes to those who have nothing to wear and do not refuse to help your own relatives. Then my favor will shine on you like the morning sun and your wounds will be quickly healed. I will always be with you to save you. My presence will protect you on every side. When you pray, I will answer you. And when you call, I will respond. You know, so often in our human fallen understanding, we so often misjudge God's intentions toward us. The Lord gives us directives. He gives us truth. As we often say, God's word is not a book of rules. God's word is a book of truths that will set you free. And so he gives us these directives. He gives us these truths. And so often in our fallenness, we, we view what God says as restrictions rather than what they are, which is revelations of actually how we can experience a life to the full that he promises us. I think it's one reason as well why many Christians don't fast or why they don't understand fasting because they look at fasting simply as going without. And they don't understand the powerful weapon that fasting is to actually dislodge those things that have become so ingrained in our lives. Things that we just kind of accept as the norm or things we look at and say, well, that's never going to change. We, we continue to see things from a fleshly viewpoint so we only kind of see hunger we don't understand that God is trying to bring our spirit into alignment because our spirit is the only part of us that actually hears God, that walks with God, that receives from God, and by God's grace is able to bring other areas of our lives under control as the Lord intends. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 11, he said that in any kingdom that you live in, there's going to be conflict. If you live in a kingdom, you can't avoid it. If you actually live in the kingdom of God, there's going to be times of confrontation. And he says the extent to which you're willing to contend for what God has for you is the extent to which you're going to see it rather than just settling for something else. 
There was actually an incident in Matthew chapter 17. Most of you are probably aware, but the disciples were brought to them, a young boy who was being demonized. Nothing they could do. They had cast out demons before, but it seemed this time nothing worked. They tried before, and so they, they kind of did their thing, and the father was left hopeless because Jesus wasn't there at the moment. But thankfully, along came Jesus eventually, and he saw what was going on, and he, he drove the demon out of that boy, set him free. But then later on, when he's alone with his disciples, he gets them together, and he says, guys, listen. He said, this kind of demon, because they asked, Lord, why couldn't we do it? We did before. It didn't happen this time. He says, this kind of demon won't leave unless you prayed and fasted. Now, what did he mean? Did he mean that every time you bump up against something that's kind of out of the ordinary or something that you, you know, can't seem to dislodge, that you have to run away and fast and pray for three days? I don't think it's what he meant because that's not what Jesus did. Jesus confronted the demon. He cast him out. The boy was set free. So what exactly is he talking about? And I think what he's saying when he says this kind of demon won't leave unless you prayed and fasted, I think the answer is found in the previous verses when he's talking to the religious leaders, for example, in verse 17, he says this. He says, oh, you stubborn, faithless people. But then he doesn't let them off the hook, his own disciples. He essentially says the same thing to them. He says, you don't have enough faith. You see, fasting is not about trying to convince God to do something that he won't otherwise do. And so you kind of suffer or you make yourself, you know, go through something, hoping maybe somehow you can twist God's arm or, or show him how much you want it. That's not what fasting is about. Fasting is entirely about us having our hearts changed. It's about us being realigned the way we should be. It's about our hearts moving from that place of apathy and unbelief to actually a place of faith. So that a newfound sense of confidence in God and who he is can begin to flow again. You see, fasting in and of itself doesn't change anything. Fasting in and of itself does not dislodge those log jams. What fasting does is it cleanses me. And then with that cleansing, there comes intimacy with God. And in that intimacy, there comes a sense of clarity. I begin to see truth. I begin to understand things better. And with that clarity comes a confidence in God who's the one who dislodges every log jam. He's the one that does it. So it's not me suffering to make him do something. It's me bringing all those cravings, all those things that lead me away from the Lord, all those things that preoccupy me and distract me, all those things that actually rob me of confidence with God. It's getting all that stuff flushed out of my system so my spirit rises up. It actually has prominence in my life where it should be. And in that place of prominence, in that place of clarity with God, then I begin to see God do what it is only God can do. Now, God said to his people in Isaiah 58 and 5, he said, when you fast, you make yourself suffer. You bow your heads like a blade of grass, and you spread out sackcloth and ashes to lie on. Is that what you call fasting? Do you think I will be pleased by that? And when I read that, it made me ask myself the question, because even though this was a few thousand years ago, friends, it's not unlike us. We're still human pe people. We still think a lot of the same line. And maybe ask myself the question, I pose the question to you this morning, think about it, what does it really mean to you to follow Jesus Christ? I mean, what does it really mean? Is it just a life of ritual? Is it just a life of restriction? You know, and if I'm really honest, I kind of look at my faith, I mean, I know I'm going to heaven, but in order to get to heaven, there's just a whole lot of fun stuff I can't do. But I want to go to heaven, so I'm willing not to do that stuff. Is it just about restriction or is it about spiritual release? 
You see, if you actually have a walk with Jesus Christ, what you discover over the years is anything the Lord calls you to, anything he's speaking to you about is for one purpose. It's to establish deeper foundations in your walk with Christ from which you can actually live a fulfilling, fruitful life. You can actually live the abundant life that Jesus has promised us, and you can do so with confidence because you have those deeper foundations established, and fasting is what makes that possible. You see, it's not about suffering through to get an answer from God. God is, fasting is God's way of saying to you and me, hey, why don't you stop suffering through this issue over and over again and actually get it resolved? And the way you get it resolved is when you fast. Now, tomorrow, as we mentioned, we're going to begin our 40-day fast for 2023. And it is entirely volunteer. So if you're here first time thinking, I'm in a cult, I just got here, and now everybody can't eat for 40 days. It's not about that. You can decide what you want to do. It really is a season of 40 days that we're setting aside. Now, you may choose to fast those 40 days. I've only done that once in my life. Um, I haven't done it very often. But uh, so, you know, the Lord may give you some other direction. It may be to fast, you know, a week or a few weeks. It may be to fast just one meal a day for 40 days, or it may be to fast one day a week for, for six weeks, whatever it may be. Or along with food, the Lord will be saying, hey, I want you to get off social media. You know, I want you to shut down your TikTok account or whatever. You know, whatever it is that's kind of clogging up your life. The Lord might say, hey, I want you to stop talking so much. You know, I want you to learn, no, seriously, I want you to learn to practice solitude. I want you to learn to practice quiet. I, wanna, I want you to learn to hear my voice. You're quick to speak. I want you to start to lit whatever it may be. The Lord will speak to all of us in different ways. I, I do encourage you to incorporate a fast into food at some point, especially if you've done it before. You need to begin to walk in that discipline. But whatever the Lord is speaking to you, I want to encourage you to hear from the Lord because what fasting is about, it's, it's about you actually learning to walk with Jesus. Now, in the Jewish culture, as many of you are probably aware, in the Jewish faith, there is a feast, a time of feasting called Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. And it's the most solemn occasion in the entire year for people who observe the Jewish faith, even today. But on that day, the Lord said this in Leviticus 23. He says that Israel was to fast and pray and repent from their sin. So right away, what God is saying is, look, I see all the outward trappings, but I, I want to deal with your heart. That's what this is really all about. And he says this, it shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls. And the person who is not afflicted in soul on that same day shall be cut off from my people. Now, that sounds pretty severe, doesn't it? If you do not afflict your soul on that day, you will be cut off from the people. Now, mind you, he says, this is a holy convocation. It's not just holy because God is holy. It's holy because the purpose of this convocation is God wants to work holiness in you. That's the purpose of this feast, of this time, this day of atonement. Now, to fully understand and appreciate that command, we need to understand the function of the soul. He says, I want you to afflict your soul. You've heard me talk about this many times. You're part of glad tidings. But the Bible says that we are a three-part being. Before you come to know Christ, you think of it as body, soul, spirit. And that's the way you live. Your life is dominated by the urges, the cravings, and the desires of your body or the desires of your soul that we'll talk about in just a moment. When you come to Christ, that gets flipped right around. You recognize that it is spirit, soul, body, and you want to give prominence to your spirit if you're going to actually have a walk with God. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, he said, May the God of peace make you what? Holy in every way. Now, let's just stop there for a second. 
What is holiness? You see, so often we think holiness is kind of like the Mother Teresa thing. You know, there's just certain people. No, no. If you know Jesus Christ, you are holy in his sight. That's his intention for you. To be holy simply means to be whole. That's what God means. I mean, he's holy in his splendor, in his awesome, in his power. He is complete in every way. There is nothing lacking in him. And what Jesus wants to do in saving you and restoring you is he wants to, that's what sanctification is. He wants to make you more and more and more and more complete in every way, in every area of your life. He wants it to work to the full. That's why he said the devil comes to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. I've come to give you life in all its what? Fullness, in its holiness, its completeness. That's what the Lord desires for us. And he goes on to say, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. What is Paul saying? Very simply, listen, there is a posture in which we can walk with God in holiness, in freedom from sin, day by day by day, growing in our knowledge of him, growing in our knowledge how life is intended to work, how my marriage can thrive, how my finances can thrive, how, how I can use the gifts of the Holy Spirit, how I can be involved in the harvest of bringing people to Christ, all the wholeness that's involved. And you know what? I can walk in that until Jesus comes again. I don't have to be up and down, back and forth. No, 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 no. This is what the Lord intends for me. This is my hope in Christ Jesus. This is what he desires for us. And he said, you can live that way until Jesus comes. You can be whole, spirit, soul, and body. You can have balance and purpose. Every one of those, those areas of your life can function to their full capacity that God intended, and you can do it till Jesus comes. That's what it means to simply walk with Jesus, to live the abundant life. Now, your soul, just a quick reminder for some of us, your soul is essentially your ego. We all know what the body is, and the body has its own cravings, its own urges, and they're not all bad, but they need to be under proper control. If not, we can ruin our lives, right? But in the same way, our soul is our ego. Our soul is basically our mind, it's our will, and it's our emotions, and our soul is constantly, is constantly fighting to stay in control of the thoughts that I think, the emotions that I feel, and the actual things that I do, the decisions that I make. That's where so many believers don't understand why they so often are robbed of the abundant life that Jesus has promised of, why they don't experience the things that maybe they see other believers experience. Well, I guess that's not just for me. No, no, no. The Lord says the problem is you're not spirit-led. The problem is you're soul-driven. You see, you've, you've surrendered your life to me. You might say you prayed the sinner's prayer. You want to be a Christian. You believe the gospel. But the problem is your spirit is living on the bottom rather than the top. You've given prominence to how you feel, what you think, what you want, even though you know what my word says. And that always brings grayness and confusion. That's why you're always confused. That's why you always get in your own way. You got to flip it around so your spirit is on top. Your spirit has prominence, and your spirit says to your mind, your spirit says to your body, all its desires, hey, line up. We're not doing that. We're not thinking that way. We're not allowing that feeling to dominate us. We're not going to act that way. We're not going to behave that way. We're not going to give in to that addiction, that bondage. No, no. We're going to be free. We're going to be holy. And we're going to live in that freedom until Jesus comes. And if I've got to fight you, I'll fight you. If I've got to contend for that freedom, I'll contend for that freedom. Because I'm not going to get enslaved again in the way I was before I knew Jesus, where the body ruled and the feelings ruled. 
I'm going to live for Jesus because I understand when I walk in his ways, I actually am fully alive. I'm fully alive. And it doesn't mean that I get everything I want when I want it at the time, but I know that my God is good and everything that he has for me, his will is good and pleasing. I want his will. I want to submit to his word. I want to walk in his ways because in that I've discovered there is life. Even if it means some of those stinking part of me have to die, I'll let them die. Even if some of the dreams and plans that I think that i got to make happen, I want to be happy, I'm willing to lay those things down and say, God, I know your way is best. And so, Lord, I hear what your spirit is saying to me. I'm going to walk in your ways and trust you, and the Lord is faithful. So the reality is every single one of us here this morning, we are either being spirit-led or soul-driven. It's one or the other. There's nothing in between. And fasting will free you from that soul-driven life to live as a spirit-led believer. You see, when push comes to shove for so many believers in the Western culture, the reality is a lot of times we do what we just feel like doing. But if you find yourself, when push comes to shove, making the decision that pleases you rather than what God says, I say this cautiously, only God knows your heart, but you may not be a child of God. You may not be a Christian. I mean, it doesn't mean you don't believe what they say about Jesus. It doesn't mean you haven't prayed the sinner's prayer or whatever, but you are not actually born again. There's not really been a change in you. Maybe you've dropped some habits. You're living kind of a different way, but inside, you're still fundamentally driven by your soul. And why do I say that? Because God said to Israel that any person who does not afflict their soul will be cut off from his people. Oh, a pastor, that's Old Testament. Well, listen, Paul the apostle kind of carries that concept over in the New Testament, and he puts it this way, a little softer, same idea. Read it with me, Romans 8, 14. Those who are led by God's Spirit are God's children. That's it. That's it. You can fool around. You can mess around. You can do what you want. And God says you're only fooling yourself. You're only fooling yourself. Those who are led by the Spirit of God is evidence they are actually God's children. And that's where fasting comes in. Now, I usually look forward to seasons of fasting. But it's not because I don't enjoy eating. In fact, I don't actually enjoy fasting in the sense of not eating. But in many years of walking with the Lord, what I have discovered is that the one thing I enjoy even less than going without food is knowing that there are areas of my life where Satan still has the upper hand. There are areas of my life where he still has control, or my flesh has control. My attitudes are controlled by things other than the Spirit of God. I like that less than I like going without food. And so I go without food, and I, and I take that time to focus in prayer, intimacy, to spend time with the Lord. Why? Because I'm saying, Lord, I know I've got to go after this thing. It's been hanging around too long. Or, or I know this area that you want me to step out and actually begin to live, something you want to release in me. I know it's been clogged for a long time by apathy, unbelief, prayerlessness, the flesh, whatever. Lord, I want to see that released finally in my life. I want to obey you and start walking in that. And those, those hungers, those cravings. See, what fasting fundamentally is about it's about you giving prominence to your spirit and your spirit saying, I'm so hungry, I don't care about going without food. And it doesn't mean your stomach won't you know, growl for a while. And by the way, if you're fasting and you get headaches, there may be different reasons, most times because your body's just detoxing. It's so full of sugar, it's so full of caffeine, it's so full of whatever. So if you get the headaches, thank the Lord. Say, Lord, thank you, it kills me, but you're cleansing me. 
You're cleansing me. You know what I kind of get a kick out of? Is, and and it, please, this is not a shot at coffee, okay? I don't drink coffee because I got saved, but it's not a shot at coffee, okay? I gave it up when I gave my heart to the Lord. But, but here's the point. I kind of chuckle sometimes when I hear people say who enjoy coffee. They say, you know, the funny thing is, is after a certain period of time of fasting, I kind of got detoxed. I don't have a taste for coffee anymore. And then the fast is over, they go back to drinking coffee. <laughs> I say, well, does that maybe show you something? And again, not good or bad. We serve the stinking stuff out in the foyer. I mean, I don't know. We're kind of confused, you know. Drink it there and come for deliverance here. I don't know what we're doing, to be honest with you. I have no idea what we're doing. In fact, I had a laugh. I'm, I'm getting way off topic, but I had a laugh there last year. We had the Freedom and Deliverance Night, right? And so we had ministry and freedom and so on, and we had cigarette butts here and drug paraphernalia, and we had some coffee cups. And so uh, we were going to clean up, and Kristen said, no, no, leave it there. We want to share on Sunday morning what God did. And I thought, okay, that's great. But it's kind of ironic. We have coffee cups here and coffee cups in the foyer. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm old. I'm old-fashioned, you know, whatever. But the point is, is that in that time of fasting, what the Lord wants to do is he wants to give, our, he wants to give us an opportunity for our spirit to begin to grow and surge and, and take control and, and take prominence and begin to bring those other areas of our life under the submission of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And the Lord will speak to all of us in different ways in what you want to address. But again, please understand that fasting is not God saying, I'm putting this burden on you to prove how much you love me. Fasting is saying, listen, I'm giving you this grace that your spirit can begin to break free of all the stuff your flesh is bound by that you can focus on me. And what you discover is as your spirit grows, it's going to crowd out, push out, break off those things that have been log jams, backlogging everything I want to do in you. Does that make sense? That's what it's all about. So it's not a duty. It's a beautiful gift that God has given us, a means by which we can experience that freedom. Uh, in Isaiah's day, uh, the people said to God, why should we fast if the Lord never notices? Why should we go without food if, if he pays no attention? You see, fasting was a regular part of the religious life, much like us going to church every Sunday. So what they were saying was, God, we're holding up our end of the deal here, or so they thought, but where's the payoff? And again, as I read that, I thought, man, a few thousand years have gone by, but we're just the same. Like, it's such stinking human nature. Like, we, we think along the same way, don't we? I mean, think about this. We can so easily settle for a Christian lifestyle. And again, it doesn't mean that we're not sincere, but we kind of know what it is. We got God compartmentalized. We, you know, we do our maybe Bible reading for 15 minutes, have five minutes of prayer. We go on with our day and kind of do what we want. We try to live a good life or whatever. But then something happens where we need intervention. We need to hear from God. We need God to move in whatever. And the attitude so often is kind of like, God, where are you? Where are you? I mean, I've done my part. You know, I've gone to church uh, pretty often, and then, you know, once in a while I crack open the Bible, but I mean, I, I basically try to live a good life. I'm trying to be a good Christian. I'm doing my duty. Where are you? And I think the Lord would probably say, well, I've been kind of asking the same thing, like, where are you? I haven't seen you for a dog's age. Like, you know, I mean, I see you. You pop in once in a while. You know, you tip the hat, whatever, but you don't know me. I, I'm not allowed to work on your heart. I mean, I can't get junk out to actually, so you can actually hear my voice. You know, when push comes to shove, you do what you want. I mean, you don't do the big stuff, right? You don't drink, smoke, swear, dance, chew tobacco, or date girls who do. You know, I mean, you, you, know, you don't do those things, you know, but, you, but you're, you're happy with everything else. And the Lord says, you're missing the whole point of this relationship thing. So we're not all that different sometimes. Now, as most of you are probably aware, we have been in a health crisis for decades in our country. And I don't mean just long lines at the emergency. 
but just the way we eat. I mean, we just live in a culture in the West. We're just so, everything is so bountiful. It's such easy access. But the reality is, in our, in our country, we have so many degenerative diseases that rob people of life, that, 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 that cut their lives short. And it all stems from the fact that, essentially, we are overfed but undernourished. And so we gorge ourselves, and we love the sweet things. And we, whatever the case, we can go to the store, we got a hankering, we got a crave, we can go get it, okay? And it doesn't mean you can't indulge once in a while, but, but sometimes that becomes a habit. So we fill ourselves with this stuff. But then our brain sends a message to our stomach saying, I'm still hungry. Because we haven't nourished ourselves. We've just filled ourselves, Right? I mean, realistically, you can go to a, I mean, I caught myself doing this once a couple years back. You go to a buffet, and, you know, once in a while you treat yourself. You're just eating this buffet, and you're so full, and, of course, you save room for dessert. You don't have room, but you can't pass up dessert. And so you go and eat a couple desserts. That's bad enough. But you sit down again, dessert's over, maybe 10, 15 minutes past, you're still talking with your friends, and all of a sudden, man, I got a craving for some chicken. That chicken was good. <laughs> I mean, you're going into your second meal, <laughs> You know, but what happens is, is that because of that, we just get, again, full of stuff, but we're not nourished. And I, and I just wonder if that couldn't be said of our Western Christianity a lot of times, too. I mean, we just have everything, really, at our fingertips. We've just got so much by way of teaching. You can go online. I mean, some of you maybe even do while I'm preaching here to get something better. I don't know. There's just such a smorgasbord of stuff that you can choose from, right? Every kind of resource, Christian entertainment, Christian activity, ministries of the church, whatever. But in the same way, we can be so overfed that we're undernourished in the deeper things of God. You see, we've got the trappings, we've got the image, we've got the lifestyle, and we're not, we're not intentionally being hypocritical, it's just that that's what we settle for. And we just kind of feel like, I guess that's enough. But when life hits us, we realize it's not enough. We realize I've got all this stuff, but if I'm honest, I've never really exercised my faith. I've never really functioned in my faith. I don't really know what it is to be a child of God. I don't really have the assurance that you would think I would have by having all this stuff. I mean, I can do all this stuff, but then something happens, my faith falls apart. And I realize it's not that Jesus doesn't work, and lots of folks have walked away thinking Jesus doesn't work, but the reality is, no, you just never knew Jesus. He does work. He is faithful. He is true. He is wise. He loves us. He died for me. He died for me. Of course he loves me. Of course he wants to work on my behalf. But he's not going to be replaced by just some idol, some image of what I erect and say, well, that's good enough for me. I can compartmentalize. He says, no, you're only fooling yourself. If you know me, I'm going to change you. You're not going to be the same person. If you're really going to walk with me, your desires are going to change. Your priorities are going to change. And when I speak to you, it may not always be easy, but when I speak to you, your heart's going to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, not sure how we're going to do that, not sure how you're going to work that in me, but Lord, I hear you, and I want to obey. I want to walk in your ways. I want to walk in what you see. I believe that's God's heart toward us because he sees all the spiritual disease that's in the body of Christ today. Pride and lust and prayerlessness, apathy, disobedience, immorality, whatever it is. I was talking to a guy a few, a few years ago, I mentioned the first service, and and he came to me, and I, I had to deal with him. Said, the guy was married, but he's dating somebody else. I said, what in the world are you doing? He said, oh, we're separated. 
okay, what are you doing? Well, I'm separated. Yeah, but you're married. Oh, no, we're getting divorced. No, 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 no. You may, but you're married. You see, this is called adultery. It's what it is. And then he said this, and I really had to check myself because if I was ever close to hitting someone. Now, he might have cleaned my clock, but it would have been worth it just to get one punch in. He said this, I believe God has led me to the person he always had from before I met my wife. This was the person he had for me. Now, I'm not saying that people aren't sincere. I'm not saying that people, you know, don't want to serve the Lord. But at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, it's pretty close to blasphemy. When I can take what God clearly says to me and not only say that God's okay with it, but even to say that God has blessed this. You see, that doesn't mean you're going to hell, but it means that you're soul-driven. You're not spirit-led. As many as are led by the Spirit are sons and daughters of God. Now, how do you respond to that? Well, physically, when you fast, what happens? Your body gets a chance to cleanse itself. It gets a chance to have a break from eating all the time, right? And it, it begins to actually repair some of the damage. You begin to get strength, and you actually, your attitude actually improves. The same thing happens spiritually. When you fast, you begin to take back those areas where your soul and body have been controlling your life so that your spirit is now led by the Spirit of God, and you're living as a child of His. You see, the people in, in, in Isaiah's day fasted food, but they were, their rationale was this. What's the point, God, if you're, going to do, if you're not going to do what we want you to do? And aren't we that way? I mean, let's be honest, right? Okay, Lord, I'm living for you. I'm, you know, certain things I don't do and whatever, I've given up. But what's the point if you're not going to do what I want you to do when I need you to do it? Am I wrong? Don't we think that way? That's how twisted it is. It's never about getting God to do what I want him to do. He has saved me from my stupidity. Thank God he has saved me from me. He saved me from my foolishness that I think is so wise. Thank God that he loves me enough to say, I will show you the truth. I will show you how to walk. I will show you the difference of life and death and how to move in that. So I need to come to the Lord and say, Lord, here's what seems right in my own eyes. But I'm going to take a step back because you've lived a little longer than I have. So maybe I don't have this right. Would you just show me, Lord, if this is what you have for me? If there's something else that you want me to do? That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. And what fasting does is the wonderful way to break up some of those areas that have just gotten locked down, that we've got our minds locked into that are really actually leading us away from the Lord. You see, we grow so accustomed to the perversion and, and the evil that's around us that we don't realize how much it influences how we think and how we behave, the entertainment that we watch. But you see, not only do we grow desensitized to sin, we also grow desensitized to the Holy Spirit and to his leading in our lives, even to the point that we are able to justify in our own minds and even to others, we're able to justify sin. We're able to justify choices and lifestyles that are clearly, clearly uh, forbidden in God's word. That's soul-driven life, not spirit-led. Here's what Paul says. We know it well. He says, don't deceive yourself. No one makes a fool of God. You'll reap exactly what you plant. You'll reap what you plant. If you reap religiousness, that's all you're going to get. You're going to have a form of godliness that doesn't know God. 
But it's up to you. You can have the real thing if you want. So let me wind this down. When the Apostle Paul went to Corinth to plant a church, the Bible says in Acts 18 that he fasted and prayed, and he actually took a Nazarite vow, which seems like having an old covenant or old-fashioned thing to do. If Paul is in the new covenant now, he's taking this Nazarite vow. I've wondered sometimes, why in the world would you do that? But I think the reason was is that the city of Corinth was notorious for sexual perversion. And Paul understood that if I'm going to penetrate this culture with the power of God, I need to protect myself from the perversion that I'm going to be ministering in. I've got to make sure that I'm protected from that, that I don't participate, that I'm not compromised by that. And I believe the New Testament church became a power center in perverse cultures because they established their, their churches, they established believers in the context of fasting and prayer. And what was key was that the whole congregation joined in. It wasn't just leadership. It wasn't just a few spiritual people called to that. The entire congregation joined in, and they experienced things in God collectively. And I believe powerful New Testament ministry happens the same way today. We have been so blessed to experience so many things in the presence of the Lord, my friends. But you know as well as I do, there is so much more. So much more. We don't take for granted life change and salvations and miracles, all those beautiful things. But there is so much more of what God wants to do. There are greater depths of his cleansing presence that we need to experience. There are greater manifestations of his miracle power. There's a greater grace to stand uh, for the Lord in our everyday lives, but also in the face of coming persecution. There's a greater harvest than we've ever seen before. But I also believe there's a greater cost. And part of that cost is the people who together join themselves in prayer and in fasting. In fact, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that the promise of the Holy Spirit was fulfilled when those following Jesus came together. And they sought hard after the Lord together. They were all together in one accord in the upper room. That word together is the Greek word homothumadon. Homo means of the same kind. Thumodon, thumos, is the word from which we get our English word thermo or thermonuclear. It's that, that heat that passion. And what he's saying is that when they came together, they didn't just come together in the same place coincidentally or because the meeting was on. They came together in unity and they came together in passion. They had the same passion. And that's my heart's desire. We can all be different. Different personalities, strengths, weaknesses, giftings. That's not the issue. But we have to have the same passion. The same hunger, the same united call out to God for what he would do in our individual lives, what he would do collectively as a congregation. And the result, of course, was that God did something that the world, in all of its chaos, could only look on and say, man, this must be God. God must be in this place. God said to his people through Jeremiah, he said, I fed my people until they were full. But they thanked me by committing adultery and lining up at the brothels. And friends, we can be so guilty of that. God has given us so much. And friends, whatever your economic level may be, I promise you, compared to the rest of the world, we live like kings. We are so wealthy. We have so much comfort, so much provision. The only question the Lord I say is, I love to bless my people, but what are you doing with it? Has it turned you away from me, made you lukewarm and cold, or do you live thankful? So I'm going to invite the worship team to join me, but I want to ask you this. You say, Pastor, I don't know if I should fast or not. Well, let me give you an idea. If your life is full of more junk than it is of Jesus, it's time to fast. If you're honest enough to say, Pastor, in this perverse culture in which we live, I've got to admit, I'm more of a lover of pleasure than I am a lover of God. 
then it's time to fast. If you be honest enough to admit, Pastor, you know, when push comes to shove, I mean, there's Christian lifestyle I live. There's certain things I don't do, the big things. But when push comes to shove, I kind of do what I want. I justify it. I go by my feelings, my urges. I go by my desires, my, my brokenness. If that's you, then it's time to fast. It's time to seek God and get control of your life. The Bible says our lives gradually become brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. That's all fasting's about. Fasting is saying, Lord, I just want you to enter my life. I want to become more and more like you. I want to grow brighter. I want to be more beautiful in your presence and your presence through me. So I just want to ask you this morning, what is it that you need from the Lord? What's the Lord asking of you? Remember the words of the prophet Habakkuk. He said, write down the revelation and make it plain. So I want to encourage you even today, and if you start a fast of whatever kind it may be, your fast may simply be, you know what, I'm going to shut off the TV for three hours in the night, and I'm just going to take an hour or so and go for a walk, quiet my heart, hear from God, start writing down some of the things. But the point is put yourself in a position, and God will speak to you. Jesus said, my people know me, and they know my voice, and I speak to them. But as the Lord is speaking to you, write it down. What is he saying to you? Where does he want to work? What does he want to dislodge? What does he want to release in you in a brand new way? Let that be your motivation. Be very specific because Jesus said, this thing will not change unless you decide to step up to the plate and you start dealing with this with prayer and fasting. And friends, I really believe there's a new surge of grace and power that's just waiting to enter those areas of our lives that seem immovable. I believe there's a whole new level of grace that God wants to introduce to us as a congregation so that as people increasingly move, step into this place or you bring a friend or whatever, God just does increasingly powerful things that we could not imagine, that people fall into the power of the Holy Spirit, that people whose lives are so matted and tangled that God just dissolves all of that and just brings a freedom, that there's just a revelation of his love, that his people are baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. There's so much more that God wants to do when we come together and so much more he wants to do in us so that when we leave, we are are so changed that we are changed in our world around us, that we really are ambassadors of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not in word only, because the kingdom doesn't come only in word. It comes in a demonstration of God's spirit and power so that people's faith would not be in religion or the wisdom of men, but people's faith would be in the power of Jesus Christ and in him. And that's what we're after. That's what God wants to do through us. And we give ourselves to fasting. What does God do? He says, I'll begin to fast track some of those I'll begin to give you grace in those ears that maybe you're even sitting here right now this morning saying, Pastor, I just don't know how it's going to change. I understand that. We all deal with unbelief. But I'm going to give myself to fasting, not because I don't enjoy eating. What I enjoy less is knowing if I'm honest, hey, the enemy has an upper hand in this area, and I know it. I know I'm justifying it. I know I'm messing around. I know I'm being led by feelings, led by whatever, craving, whatever. I know it. It could just be laziness, prayerlessness. It could be anything. I know. You know, right? You know. You don't need me to convince you. And you're different than me. I'm no better than you. We're flesh and blood. Every one of us have to contend so the Spirit of God leads us and that we lead our bodies, we lead our feelings, our mind, our emotions. We're brought into submission to Jesus Christ who does all things well and wants to lead me into a life of abundance and fulfillment. That's his heart's desire for us individually. Can you imagine? If the Lord has his way in all of our hearts, can you imagine collectively what a powerhouse the body of Christ becomes? The Lord just comes and says, okay, I've dealt with all that stuff. Now just watch what I can do when you're together. 
together in unison, together in purpose, together in passion. And now you start getting your eyes off yourself and start calling out to God for your city, for your loved ones, whatever the need may be. And God says, I will answer you. I will hear you. I will come. I want to. I've got to get all this junk out of my people first. Because if not, like James says, whatever I do, they'll just consume it upon their own lust and be further away from me. So let me get inside of you. Let me get at the heart. Will you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask the ministry team to come. You've been so patient. If we can assist you in any way, drop us an email, give me a phone call, whatever, if you want to process some of this stuff. You know, Pastor, what should I do? You can also go to our website, gtmonton.com. You'll see a nice tab there, 40-day fast. I've laid out a bunch of things for 40 days, different things you can do each day. If you want to know different ways you can fast, there's tons of information online elsewhere as well. But uh, ministry team, as you come, if you're here this morning, number one, and you don't know Jesus, I hope you've sensed already, we're not inviting you to join a church or join a religion, but you can know Jesus this morning. And I invite you to come and stand with one of these folks. They'd love to pray with you and show you how you can know him. But if you're here as a believer as well, and you just feel, I'd like someone to kind of agree with me in prayer. Because this is what I feel to do, and it's a new thing. I'm biting off a fair bit, but hey, would you just agree with me in prayer? We'd love to do that as well. Or if you have any need, feel free to come. We'd love to pray for you. If you need to slip out, feel free. But as the ministry team sings this last song, would you just take two minutes and just quiet your heart together and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you? Maybe he already has. But I encourage you not to leave this place with a sense of what the Lord is calling you to in these next 40 days. That might evolve over time, but the Lord can give you a witness this morning. So just take a moment and do that and feel free to step out. God bless you. Looking forward. Amen. How many are open to that, right? Next level that the Lord has, amen? I mean, the Lord, the Lord loves to free his people. But what the abundant life is really all about is freedom you've received. Now, freedom you go give it away. That's the real excitement when you start giving that away and seeing the Lord minister freedom through you. So God bless you. Thanks for listening to the GT Moncton podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to get the sermon as soon as it's released. If you have any questions or want to get connected, go to gtmoncton.com. For live streams and other videos, check out the GT Moncton YouTube channel and follow us on social media at GT Moncton to stay up to date on what's going on. God bless.